Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the host here of the BT Powerhouse Podcast, as well as the manager of the site, powered by SB Nation. And we're coming here uh, on mid-June or so. Yeah, June 15th. Uh, time is moving on uh, in this odd uh, quarantine state, I guess, or semi-state, whatever you want to describe it as. But um, the world does continue to turn and um, trying to get a little bit back into the podcast here. I know it's, again, it's an odd time. Uh, we don't have the same summer schedule as usual. Uh, recruiting is at a standstill. It's supposed to be starting up here in the near future. But generally speaking, there's there's not a lot going on in the sports world, whether on the court, on the field, or elsewhere. Uh, with that said, though, um, we do want to get back into action a little bit on the podcast front. And one team that I, I think is going to be really interesting, uh, not only this offseason, but moving forward in general, is Nebraska. Um, so I wanted to touch on them a little more in depth. And to help us break them down is Kevin Knight from Corn Nation. Uh, Kevin, how's it going? Not too bad. I'm out here in D.C. actually, although I do write for Coronation, obviously, for the Nebraska blog, um, among my other uh, sites that I write for. So, yeah, you know, summer, I guess. <laughs> Humidity <laughs> certainly felt that way last week. Excellent. Um, so, I, Kevin, I think, I, I guess to start off, I think this is the first time we've had you on the podcast. I know we've had a couple folks um, from Coronation in years past. Um, if you could do just a Reader's Digest of your background a little bit um, and, and sort of uh, how long you've been covering Nebraska, et cetera, just for the listeners uh, who aren't as familiar with you and where, yeah, they, no and where they can check you out, too. Yeah, no problem. So I write under the pen name Sparty on Huskers uh, because I joined as a writer after a few years of being a commenter on a couple different SB Nation blogs. And I've been writing about Nebraska ball for almost a year now. I reached out to the site last year about doing a, uh, a preseason preview series for them and uh, did well enough that they asked me to just come on as a regular writer. So, um, yeah, you can find me there or you can also find me on The Only Colors as I'm actually a Michigander originally. I'm from near the tip of the mitten, uh, way up in the north there. Not quite a Uber, but... Uh, but I've lived in D.C. since 2011, and my Nebraska connection is I am married to a uh, kind gentleman from Nebraska. So uh, my husband is uh, not actually a Cornhusker himself, but um, is from Nebraska, went to a different college in Lincoln, and hence, uh, by marriage, I am a Nebraska fan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so a little, a little different route there as far as the, the two big 10 fandom, um, or I guess interest, shall we say. Um, uh, but yeah, happy to have you on the podcast here to chat about, uh, Nebraska ball in, in a pretty important season. And so why don't we start with there a little look back? Um, let's start with the obvious, obviously last season did not conclude in its entirety. Um, for Nebraska, it probably did. Uh, they're one of the teams that I think we can safely say after losing to Indiana in the Big Ten tournament, the the shortened Big Ten tournament, I should say. Uh, they finished at 7-25 and 25 overall. I think it's a safe bet to say they weren't going to make the postseason, whether that's the NIT or the NCAAs. Um, so they're oh, one there of the wasn't teams even we... a CBI coming in this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yes. think we can all safely say that. 
so we can say, generally speaking, we, we kind of know um, what Nebraska's overall performance was. That's not true for a lot of other teams. I mean, uh, you mentioned the Sparty slash Nebraska connection. Michigan State, who knows what they would have done uh, in the postseason. I know they were a Final Four contender. So a lot of teams like that, it's a little murky. Uh, but Nebraska, we we do have a pretty good idea on what they did last season in Fred Hoiberg's first year. Um, so can you take us a little bit through that? I mean, we know the overall mark, like I said, 7-25 and 25 overall, 2-18 and 18 in the Big Ten. Pretty safe to say it wasn't the best year of all time. Um, how, how did that fit in Nebraska's expectations? Um, were fans disappointed in that? I mean, I, I can't imagine they were happy, but uh, what are your thoughts on the, the first season with Fred Poiberg at the home? Um, so I think overall, uh, nobody really expected much of anything in terms of a winning season. I think at best, most fans thought by some miracle with the cobbled together roster that they uh, put out on the court, maybe there was an outside chance at finishing just barely inside the top 10 in some dream fantasy land. Um, yeah, it, it, things just worked out well somehow, but uh, realistically coming in and kicking everybody off the team, except for uh, one player who returned with minutes and one player who returned as a uh player who was a transfer and couldn't play the last year under Tim Miles. Um, I don't think anybody really expected much success this season. Having said that, losing 17 games straight, even in a conference as deep as the Big Ten, uh, you know, um, definitely some frustration there. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah, And, and that's part of what I, I wanted to touch on as well. I mean, you start out with – I. I, I always do a big season preview series for BT Powerhouse. And last year I can say Nebraska was the weirdest team I've ever previewed. And not because I thought they were going to be great or anything else, but like you said, it was basically one player coming back. Everything else was somebody new, whether it was a new recruit, whether it was a transfer. Um, it was a bizarre roster coming into the season. And I think you can make a good argument, particularly based on the results of the season that, it really wasn't a, a high-level Big Ten roster. Um, this was Fred Hoiberg putting things together at the last minute and trying to do the best he could. And I, I think all things considered, um, I thought he did a really good job putting together the roster in basically two months last offseason after he got hired. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do, uh, particularly where you know the transfer market is super active now. I mean, we all know that uh, – you know, Duke's out there going after transfers. Kentucky is a uh, big name program. So it's, it's not like you can just luck into these high level transfers. So it's, uh, I agree. I, I think it was a building block and, and certainly a disappointing end to the season. Um, I think you said it. Yeah. 17 straight losses, something like that. Uh, really rough year. But with that, if there is something that Nebraska fans can take away from the first year, at least positively, um, is there anything that stands out to you that fans can hang their hat on a little bit from last year? Um, I mean, I think one thing that definitely helps is you could still see uh, through a lot of the late season games after it was just clear the writing was on the wall of uh, this season is long since lost and there's very little hope here. Um, they really didn't give up in games 
for the most part, maybe with, you know, a handful here and there that you could kind of see maybe uh, coming out flat foot in the first half even. But for the most part, they kept the same general rhythm of being competitive, even against some of the top teams in the conference through the first half. And then you'd see them hit a slump because for a program that relies on or rather a coaching philosophy that relies offensively on outside shooting to a large degree, uh, there just wasn't a ton of reliable outside shooters active on the roster. Um, I think comparatively, I'm of the opinion at least that had uh, Coach Hoiberg not come in and basically just completely revamped the roster in a way that didn't even resemble his years at Iowa State when he kind of normalized the transfer market at the college level, at that level, at uh, the P P six program level, so to speak. Um, at least I, I think one can argue that he did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, even then he didn't completely change over the entire roster the way that he did with Nebraska. Um, so I think given the fact that it was a first season compared to uh, all most of the starters being gone for Nebraska from last season, had Tim Miles stayed, I think maybe you might have seen three, four more wins tops. I mean, at the very least, they would have picked off Northwestern. Um, Having said that, between the fact that you could at least see them still fighting and uh, systems being implemented, learning where everything is, uh, which just kind of goes with a first-year coach in a league like this, on top of that, I think um, a lot of the talent that he has picked up the first season uh, that he managed to find in those two months mixed with some of the talent that he has coming in gives a little bit more hope that at least they're not going to finish in the basement this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there are a couple things. I, I agree with with a lot of what you're saying there. I think if I'm a Nebraska fan, I'm trying to look for positives. Uh, I, I think you got to look at it and consider it as year zero. I know I, that's one of those slogans that gets thrown around all the time uh, in college sports, but uh, Nebraska, it really was. When you're losing your entire roster, again, one player coming back, that's it. It really is a year zero unless, I guess, if maybe if you're Kentucky and you bring in five five stars. But otherwise, for everybody else, that's not a good recipe for success. So I, I think you survive that. You've built a little bit of a base, as you were saying. You start getting players into your program. Uh, and I think, really, it's the head start on recruiting for next year, 2021 and beyond, which I don't think anybody could have anticipated COVID-19 and everything that's going on right now. But still, um, you got a head start. This class should be a more normal class than the first one. Um, and then I, I agree with you. I think Nebraska showed a lot of fight down the stretch for a team that, frankly, was really out of any serious postseason discussion by early January. The fact that they did show up in a lot of these games, you know, they played Maryland tough on the road. Um, I'm I'm trying to think. There was one or two other ones. You, you mentioned the Northwestern uh, in overtime. I know Northwestern wasn't the best, but still to to make a little noise there. They beat Iowa. They beat Purdue. So I mean, they have they have a few handful of games where you can say you know they performed like a a mid range Big Ten team in those games, and it's just obviously expanding them next year. So we'll see if that happens. Um, but on that front, obviously. Uh, last year's roster was a little bit of a, a weird situation. I've, we've both talked about that already a lot. Um, 
what what is changing this offseason? So what what are the biggest pieces going out the door? What are the biggest pieces coming in? Um, what are you looking for here, I guess, uh, in these uh, this really weird and unique offseason as far as Nebraska's roster? Um, one big thing is going to be, once again, just about all of the production from the team is gone and needs to be replaced. Uh, you have Cam Mack on, who um, was actually one of the bright spots on the team last season when he averaged 12 points and 6.4 assists overall, uh, led the team in assists. Um, also gone is Hanif Chatham, who uh, led the team in points, 13.1 a game. And also gone is Deshaun Burke Jr., who led the team in steals and blocks. So on top of him, uh, or those three, rather, uh, also gone is Kevin Cross, Gervais Green, uh, let's see, Matej Kavas, Charlie Easley, Samari Curtis left after the first semester. Uh, yeah, so there's, let's see. Uh, sorry, give me one second to count here. We have Hanif, <laughs> Cam, Gervais, Kevin, uh, Mataj, and Charlie, and Samari. So we have seven players gone from last season's roster. Wow. Wow. One of yeah. whom was gone. I'm sorry, two of whom were gone essentially to graduation. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, th- that's going to be the biggest thing is coming up with uh, all of that lost production again. Mm-hmm. And who are who are you looking for, I guess, in terms of the additions to replace some of these guys? Um, and who should Nebraska fans and really Big Ten fans, I guess, be on alert for here as, as we go into the second season of Hoiberg? Um, I think finally coming into his senior season, hopefully Thor, uh, or rather Thor Rear, Thor Bjarnarsson. Um, pretty sure I finally have that down after three seasons of him playing <laughs> I still there. cannot pronounce it at all. Uh. <laughs> uh, he was actually the leading three-point scorer. Uh, shot, I believe, is just over 40% uh, from three-point range. Um, led the team in that. If he can increase the volume on that, he's a pretty good defender as well. Um, does well against some of the top talent in the conference on the defensive end. Uh, if he can step up and fill some of the point differentials there, that'll be big. Uh, beyond that, uh, we'll have to see who can come up for a point guard on that. Um, Teddy Allen might be promising. Uh, Nebraska native who has made a roundabout way via West Virginia, Wichita State, and Nebraska Western Community College. Uh, uh, finally is now in Lincoln. Um, quite the roundabout trip. Yeah, uh, Kobe Webster should be a pretty elite shooter. Um, he was at Western Illinois. Hopefully uh, can carry that over. Um, Lap Mann, uh, if he can stay healthy, might finally help add some presence down low, given the shocking lack of height that Hoiberg's teams have. Um, yeah, I, and I don't think Kobe King is going to be eligible next year. I think he's going to have to sit out the season. But if he somehow manages to luck into a magical NCAA waiver that makes no sense whatsoever on the logic of whether it, you get one or not, um, obviously uh, Big Ten fans are a little familiar with him from his time in Wisconsin, and is certainly going to be a good uh, solid minutes contributor, I think. Yeah, that's that's the big one I, I wanted to mention as far as incoming players is Kobe King. Obviously, he played a couple of years for Wisconsin, really productive guard for the Badgers over the last couple of years. And 
Um, I've given up on trying to rationalize some of these NCAA waivers. Um, you know, you see players, I think Illinois last year or the year before they had a tight end transfer who had to sit out, um, despite like a sick relative. And then you have somebody like Justin Fields at Ohio state who just plays the day he walks in on the football field. It's just, I've given up. I'm, I have no idea what their, their logic or reasoning is, but I I'll defer, uh, <laughs> to your guidance on, on Kobe King. But, um, as far as I'm aware, he is applying for the waiver, uh, we'll see if he's eligible. I think he has um, two years left of eligibility um, after or starting this season. Um, played a bunch at, at Wisconsin. I think he'd be a huge boost to Nebraska, and that's not just because I, I think the roster is still pretty thin in terms of top-end Big Ten players, but to have a player with experience, a guy who knows how to win and can instill a culture, because that's – that's really what Nebraska needs to reinstall. And I know Nebraska doesn't have the most decorated college basketball history, uh, you know, like some of the other programs in the country, but they did have a, a nice core built there under miles when they made the NCAA tournament, um, when they reached the NIT. And I think getting back to that a little bit would be, would be really nice for Husker fans. And I, I think having a guy like Kobe King around the program that can, help install that that winning culture particularly with so many guys who as you mentioned you know uh, they're not the traditional college basketball players you know play two three years at one program and um, maybe it's considered transferring then no a lot of these some of these guys have been at two schools before I mean it's it's a real mismatch of players and I I'm not saying that can't be successful uh, but you know, having a guy who who knows what a good culture looks like, I I think can help. Um, but on on that front, um, what what sort of are your expectations? I guess coming into this year, obviously King, we don't know whether he's going to be eligible or not at this point. But sort of, how are you looking at things overall for Nebraska this year? Um, it's a good question. Uh, to some degree. Almost the same thing applies as last season, I feel like, with <laughs> uh, a, a little bit of a caveat that obviously the Big Ten took a hit to some of the phenomenal depth that they had in just about every position from last season. Um, I mean, I, as a state fan, uh, primarily, it's a little bit heartbreaking that the NCAA tournament didn't happen um, if 538's predictions are to be believed. But from a Big Ten fan perspective as well, which I consider myself, it was a little depressing to see uh, the year where the Big Ten would have probably broken their record for the number of teams making a bid to the NCAA, Mm -hmm. most likely at 10, I think. Uh, Let's just pretend like Indiana got the bid uh, for the (laughs) sake of it. I mean, it would have been fun seeing the depth of that and see how many teams make it to a second weekend, given uh, just the outstanding uh, post-play some of the great perimeter players that you have, some of the phenomenal point guards you had, like Cassius Winston in particular. Um, yeah, what? Not saying it wasn't appropriate to cancel it, but it was still a little bit heartbreaking to be uh, denied the opportunity to watch that happen. Um, having said all of that, I think uh, at at some point Nebraska needs to start putting together more of a winning season and being competitive. And I think for next season, there's some promise to that. 
at the very least, um, I think given some of the transfers that we have, it should be safe to expect that uh, we're not going to have a bunch of losses to uh, UC Irvine in the non-conference this season. In fact, actually earlier today, they did come out with the schedule and there's um, a much more mixed uh, competition on it. And I think that that will be a good mixture of setting them up for uh, knocking some wins and getting some confidence and ironing some kinks out while also offering a little bit more competition um, because they open against Cleveland State and Purdue Fort Wayne. Neither team is necessarily uh, anybody to kind of be overly threatened by, but in Myrtle Beach, they could face teams such as Pitt, Missouri, a couple others, I think uh, Dayton, as uh, one of them. So depending on the lineup, they've got some decent competition there to to really kind of gauge early on what they have, maybe help work out the bench a bit. Host Creighton, play a neutral site game against Kansas State. Um, who knows who will get in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So uh, I, I think we should be able to tell fairly early what to expect in reality, but in terms of what fans should expect, uh, probably a just inside the top 10 is a realistic hope. Um, beyond that, maybe, you know, seven at best, if something clicks with the roster, but I, that's, that's an outside shot. Uh, I, I think realistically 12 to nine or so should be um, cautious optimism with realistic goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on this the same plane. I I think it could be another rough year. I I think in a lot of ways it's it's going to be about building that core more and I hate to say it but Nebraska really needs to try to get a lot of moral wins. Uh you know, playing teams tight, maybe you can steal one or two upsets um and one one thing I I will say as far as the Big 10 is concerned is I do think the bottom of the Big Ten is could be much weaker than it was last year. I mean, last year you had two teams in Northwestern and Nebraska that were really weak, and everybody else was pretty good. Uh, I mean, even Minnesota, who had a – I think they, they finished with a losing record, if I, I recall right. Um, yeah, they finished 15 and 16. I mean, they were 27th on Ken Palm. So, I mean, the Big Ten was ridiculously deep for the top 12 but Northwestern and Nebraska were, were pretty rough. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think you're going to have your typical four to five teams that are eh. So if Nebraska can protect home court, beat those types of teams, I think they'll progress a lot based on where they were last year. And just to add in, I, I know you were talking about sort of the disappointment and ending the season short last year and, and not being able to see the big 10. I, I certainly echo those sentiments and, you know, I really thought this was going to be the year that the Big Ten finally broke that streak or uh, drought, I, sh- I should say, uh, for the national championship. I, I just – I don't think the Big Ten necessarily had the best team, but there are just so many teams that were capable of the Final Four this year. Uh, it was very disappointing not to see them get a chance. You know, Michigan State was rolling. Wisconsin had momentum. Maryland, uh, really dangerous. I mean, there was a bunch of teams that I thought could do some serious damage in March. So I definitely agree on that front. Um, very disappointing to see, um, but but we'll see. Uh, but with that, um, 
last Nebraska-based question here for you. And once again, appreciate you coming on here on the BT Powerhouse podcast. Um, what what is the biggest thing you're looking for? I guess in the coming months, um, I, you know, most of the roster is, is certainly set at this point. But is there anything big that you're looking for between now and the start of camp? Um. Well, to ensure that I probably never get invited on again, I am going to have to go back for one second just to make a quick but friendly uh, rib nudge dig that, you know, there was just so much depth in the Big Ten. A team that finished 500 and what was it, ninth place in Michigan was probably a second weekend team and they finished 500 in the conference. They couldn't even have a winning record in the Big Ten and they were probably a second weekend team. So there's, there's a backhanded compliment for you on that one. <laughs> uh, but no, I, in all reality, though, to your uh, current question, I think uh, one thing that is not likely um, but would be great for Nebraska in terms of momentum uh, going into uh, fall camp would be if um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name here and I should know it off the top of my head, uh, but a. Um, big recruit in the state is theoretically still in reach. Um, but he's likely going to Kansas. If he were to somehow flip, uh, then that would be pretty great. Hunter Salas. I'm embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It took me that long to get the name. Um, yeah, I mean, if <laughs> Hunter Salas somehow managed to decide that he doesn't want to go to a program that's about to face sanctions and probably not allow him to play in the NCAA tournament, even if he is a one and done uh, it would be pretty great for him to stay within the state and go to Nebraska. Um, on a more realistic note, I think getting a Big Ten conference schedule out that is light on uh, rough games like traveling to the Breslin Center, traveling to Chrysler Arena, traveling to Maryland, uh, places like that, and avoids double plays with them and uh, keeps games home in Lincoln would probably be realistically about the best we can hope for in terms of building momentum into this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to disagree on that front. I think Nebraska, it's got to be recruit, recruit, recruit. And frankly, with Fred Hoiberg's past history, I mean, that's, that's kind of how he succeeded at Iowa state was just hitting the recruiting trail hard. So I I think that's going to be the key, uh, whether Hoiberg succeeds or, or doesn't succeed. Um, and, and one thing, I guess I lied. I do have one more Nebraska question. And um, I just want to preface with this. This is not a hot seat question, anything like that. But I am curious about what sort of the, the mindset of Nebraska fans are that you uh, speak with. As far as Hoiberg, how do they think about him? I mean, there was a lot of excitement. Um, I know I can say I thought it was a, a outstanding hire for a program like Nebraska, which um, – Again, not not a drag. I mean, they're in the Big Ten, uh, but they're they're not Indiana. They're not Duke. They're not North Carolina, a, a program like that. So to get a former NBA coach in Fred Hoiberg, I thought was a major, major move for that program. Uh, what's have as the hype cooled a little bit on him? I mean, are people still really excited? Um, what do, how do you feel about uh, the Nebraska fans on that? Um, so in that regard, I mean, we're talking about a program that one could even make the argument they're not even in the same league as Northwestern. Even Northwestern has gone to the NCAA tournament and won a game. It took them until 2017 to do it, but they (laughs) did it. And Nebraska hasn't even managed that. They've gone seven times to the NCAA tournament and they're 0 and seven. 
So I, I don't think you could find any program at any level of D1 basketball of what is it, 353 or whatever programs it is. I would be surprised if you could find a single team that has been five or more times, let's say. I, I'd yeah. be surprised if there's another one that is still O for all on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, Fred Hoiberg was basically the one name on the market last season that if you're going to fire Tim Miles, you better get Hoiberg or what's the point? And they got it. And I think, you know, there's still the crazy couple fans on Twitter or some other social media platform that are like, why did we fire Tim Miles after a couple losses in a row last season? But realistically, I think nobody really went into last season with much optimism. And in the overall scheme of things, they know that it's going to be a couple years as rough as that is for them to say when combined with a football program and its current state right now. Um, But I, I think realistically fans are still fairly happy that he was hired and they have the overall uh, <laughs> the the low expectation goal of we would like to be competitive in the Big Ten. We would like to make the big uh, NCAA conference more years than not over the course of a decade. And we'd like to actually win a game when we get there. <laughs> so that'd be nice. It's not exactly like it's a very high floor there for him to try and meet or their high yeah. ceiling, I suppose. The, the floor is low, the ceiling is even lower. Yeah, I, I think for me, want. I. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, you got to start with, um, again, Nebraska, with all due respect, it's not a name program. I'm not trying to pile on. It's just, it's not. I mean, as you mentioned, they've never won an NCAA tournament game. Just by virtue of that, they can't be considered a, a top-end program. With that said, um, I felt like Nebraska has been a, a sleeper in the Big Ten for a while because the fan support is phenomenal. They have a great home court advantage. When that place gets filled, it's a great home court. And the support they get for a program that has, again, they have like one NCAA tournament appearance in two-plus decades. I think the prior one to Tim Miles' team that made it was in the late 90s. So, I mean, you're talking about a pretty uh, long uh, absence of success over that period. And the fans are still there. So I, I give a lot of credit to the fans. Um, but I, I've always felt like it's a little bit of a sleeper because you have that environment. They have great facilities now. They should be able to recruit. So they have that kind of stuff. And with that, all of that said, hiring Hoiberg, great move. And I think if you were going to move off Tim Miles, which obviously they were, uh, that, that was the time to do it after last year. The entire roster was gutted. Um, if he was coming back, I mean, he was going to come back for a year where they were going to end up firing him the next year anyway, because there's no way he was going to win with last year's roster. It just, there's no way. So I, I think if there was a time to move on, that was definitely the point to do it. Hoiberg's a great hire. I think this is one of these jobs where it's, you're going to have to just bite the bullet. It's going to be a, a two, three year rebuild. And then you sort of see what happens. But um, to me, this is one where it, you might have to give him four or five years and and see where things sit. And I don't normally say that, but um, he inherited a year zero type of situation. And then you add COVID on to this off season and it's, it's even tougher. So he's had some major challenges. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, but yeah, 
Let's let's end it on a positive note, though. So what, what should fans be excited about right now, I guess, uh, before I go? I don't want to leave them on a, a disappointing note. Um, Bill Moose hired Fred Hoiberg. I, I think that's uh, th- <laughs> sure. that's probably about the best I've got because, I mean, that's his home run of a hire is a, a program the level of Indiana at this point could hope mm-hmm. for, I, I feel like. Um you know, I, he's a, a solid coach. Uh, he's somebody who I'm not necessarily sure that I can sit here and say you can easily expect conference titles from him uh, any given season, but he's somebody who can make noise. He proved that he can win conference tournament titles, and that's definitely something that I think down the road is uh, optimism to be had, and he's somebody who can make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And I mean, what else do you want out of a coach at that point? That's more successful than a lot of programs have, and that's definitely more successful than the Oscars has had. So, I mean, the I, I think personally the, the thing to be happy about is the fact that somebody of Hoiberg's caliber came to Nebraska and, and took the job. Mm-hmm. That's That's pretty outstanding and says a lot about the program's potential. Absolutely. And we'll leave it at that. So be excited about that, Nebraska fans. You got a little momentum. We'll see what happens this year. Um, but Kevin, before I let you go, uh, first, if you want to just remind people where they can check out your stuff, uh, where you write, it sounds like a couple spots. Um, and then uh, if you have any final thoughts on the Big Ten, college basketball, Nebraska, um, speak now or hold your peace. Yeah, uh, if anybody wants to uh Take a look at my writing. You can find me on Corn Nation or The Only Colors. I write under Spartion Huskers is my name there. And that's also my Twitter handle uh, if you want to follow me there. Uh, as far as the Big Ten expectations, um, not getting a whole lot of conversation right now, but I feel like something that unfortunately might need to be talked about down the road is talk of whether or not the college basketball season is going to happen, or at least if it's going to happen the way that it normally does. Yeah. Because I mean, like college football is played outdoors, at least in terms of outdoors, there's a little bit less risk of, of transmission theoretically. Um, You know, I mean, indoors, it's a much uh, more dangerous area for transmission and whatnot. And if there's fear of a second wave, then unfortunately come late fall, that's right when college basketball starts up. So are we going to have empty arenas? Are we going to have a delayed season? Um, you know, who knows? Uh, I, I think, uh, fortunately that's ending it on a sad note, but I, I think the biggest uh, thing not being talked about is what the season is actually going to look like because we're all focused on football and not basketball right now with that question. And I, I hope we have one. I, I mean, I, I certainly echo that point, and, and not to get too sidetracked on the, the COVID-19 stuff. I, I do want our podcast to try to be a little reprieve for people right now with with all the stress and, and um, sad news nationally and worldwide. Um, I'm sorry, I, I try to do that too. <laughs> no, no, I try. no problem. I mean, it, it's happening. Everybody's thinking about it. Everybody's talking about it. It's hard to to keep it out. I think I think for me, how I look at it, I'm not – I'm not an expert. Um, obviously, we defer to what they say, and everything's changing so quickly, it's hard to keep ahead of things. Um, but, I mean, with 
with what Germany's doing with with their soccer games, with what some of the other leagues are doing, I have a hard time believing that we're not going to be able or be at a point where we can at least do fanless games. Because um, I mean, particularly basketball teams, they're very, they're pretty small. I mean, uh, you're talking. I mean, even with staff, what thirty people, maybe less. Like I I I don't think you'd have a tough time keeping it in relatively small numbers and, and keeping track of, of who's on there. Um, you know, football, yeah, I mean, it's outdoors, but you're talking about rosters of a hundred plus, plus, you know, huge coaching staff. So I, I think that sports staff and whatnot, I, I think depending on how many managers and trainers and mm-hmm. uh, medical staff that you can feel comfortable cutting down on uh, yeah. for being there, you can certainly slim it down to pretty thin bench, but um Mm-hmm. For for happy thought though, I'll uh, I'll say if there is a season, and I'm sure there will be some form of a season, probably the green and white will at least share a share of their fourth straight title, and I believe they'll be the second team ever in Big Ten history to do that. I looked at this right near the end of the season at how many teams had three-peated, four-peated. I forget if I think somebody five-peated a very long time ago. Ohio State, I want to say so. Uh, Good shot. Well, we'll see. I don't eight. know. I think um, I don't know. I have Iowa on, on the top of my rankings. We got to see what Garza is gonna do. Uh, Wisconsin looks pretty loaded as well. So we'll we'll see what happens. It's it's a long ways off, and um, who knows if there'll even be a season, as you say. But um, but I again appreciate you coming on. Thanks again for all the comments and uh, for everyone else. Um, make sure to check out BT Powerhouse. We got a lot of content up. At, the recruiting news that that is going on uh we got it for you and uh make sure to check us out on twitter uh you can follow me on twitter at t bendit um and we will see you guys next time thanks